The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Ring the bell. We are back in for another edition of the only boxing show that you need to get you up to date, up to speed on what's going to happen. Recap what's been going on, preview of fights, recap of fights, historical perspective, and much more. It is the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. I am merely your somewhat lucid and capable host. I do have special guests straight ahead. The boxing writer from over in the UK and England, David Payne, will be with me. We've got a controversy. If you've been reading the website, you know about Dave Allen, the heavyweight against Dorian Darch. Uh, last Saturday night, Sheffield, England, and the controversy is, was this fight fixed? There is a, a lot of circumstantial evidence. There's a lot of irregular betting evidence that suggests it might very well have been fixed. Although the fighters are allowed to say, hey, we didn't do it. There's an investigation ongoing. We'll talk to David Payne about it for some perspective and some background, uh, including uh, he's a guy that's talked with Dave Allen in an extensive interview uh, recently over the course of the last couple of years. He'll give you some insight into that and what his thoughts are there. Uh, plus, I'll talk with David about the 30th anniversary of Buster Douglas's monumental heavyweight title upset of Mike Tyson in Tokyo, Japan, that occurred 30 years ago, February 1990. And a little more from uh, David on Josh Warrington, featherweight world champion who is splitting from his current promoter and headed over to Matchroom Boxing and Eddie Hearn on a multi-year deal. What does that mean for Warrington's future? Get it straight from David Payne over in the UK, what he thinks about what that move will be. Then, a couple more special guests. You always get to hear from Marquise John, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. He will be with me and joining us, Jake Donovan. Love Jake's insight from BoxingScene.com. Uh, Jake wrote on the whole situation with the Alan Darch fight, the the allegation of was there something uh, tawdry, something something unseemly about this ending, suspicious about this ending. Jake wrote about it on BoxingScene.com. He'll give you some thoughts on whether the fix was in, what his opinion is uh, on that. Uh, also, Jake is based in Nashville, and Caleb Plant gets set as a Nashville native to defend his IBF Super Middleweight Championship Saturday night on Fox. Uh, against a contender that we don't know a lot about, Vincent Fagenboots is the uh, is the opponent from Germany. So we'll we'll talk with Jake about that. Marquise will have thoughts as well uh, on that heavyweight fight in England and was it on the up and up on the Buster Douglas uh, upset? We just go round robin with a conversation uh, with Jake and Marquise, who also is going to preview the Ryan Garcia main event on Saturday night in California, uh, or actually on Friday night, excuse me, on Valentine's night. Garcia, a lightweight from California, unbeaten. Uh, good-looking, very marketable fighter. He's in action on Friday night. Marquise will have thoughts on that. Jake Donovan will have thoughts on that. Preview of all the fights this weekend, obviously, as part of Big Fight Weekend. So those guests are coming up straight ahead. Stand by for that. A reminder, if you have not subscribed already, do that on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find uh, podcasts. Uh, find us at Big Fight Weekend and subscribe because then a new podcast comes automatically to your listening device. You get the ding on your phone, on your iPad, uh, etc. to listen in here on uh, Big Fight Weekend, not just from the website, but obviously with the podcast. So subscribe away and we will find you. And before we get to our guest, a reminder that Big Fight Weekend is brought to you in part by Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. We're going to tell you more about a great offer from them, but if you're looking for tickets, really for any sporting event in all of North America, but specifically boxing, whether it's the, the Garcia-Fonseca uh, fight card that's in California on DAZN on Friday night, uh, Showbox, Showtime Boxing, show, Showbox Series is in Philadelphia for Friday night. Whether you're talking about this plant, uh, Fagan Boots, a showdown for the IBF Super Middleweight Championship Saturday night, Bridgestone Arena, downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Get your tickets through Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. Download the app for free in the Google Play Store, the Apple Store, and go online and browse. It'll take you less than three minutes to sign up and be looking for the great seats at any of these fights. Of course, we've got Wilder Fury and the WBC heavyweight title rematch next week 
in Las Vegas and use Vivid Seats to get your best seats and a special promo code offer as well from us on the podcast and the website. Use the promo code BIGFIGHT10, BIGFIGHT in the number 10, and you get 10% off your order up to $50 if you're a first-time user. So again, if you've not used Vivid Seats, we encourage you, go take advantage of their great customer service, their selection, and that promo code for tickets for any of the fights this weekend from California to Philly to Nashville. Wilder Fury in Vegas next weekend. Get your tickets at Vivid Seats. Remember our promo code. It is Big Fight 10. Been looking forward to getting a chance to catch up on several fronts with the boxing writer, a.k.a. David Payne, who does a fantastic job with his site, boxingwriter.co.uk. Also freelances some for gambling.com and a couple of other sites uh, when it comes to trying to figure out the different props, the different bets uh, in and around boxing. So David with me now as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Uh, First off, good to be with you. I promise I will not profusely make you feel uh, jealous that we are in warm temperatures in Florida in the quote-unquote wintertime here while you are allegedly suffering uh, a bit through the British winter of February. But it's good to have you nonetheless and good to chat with you. Great to be here. Yes, wish I was enjoying the 80 degrees. We're batting down the hatches here, TJ. <laughs> We've got Storm Dennis approaching. So, uh, yes, all, but all good. February's here. Spring's on the horizon, and we've got some good fights uh, coming up soon, too. No doubt. I want your insight. I love your insight for a lot of different reasons, and I've already mentioned gambling, and, and obviously uh, it is big among sports fans in the U.K. It's big among sports fans in the U.S., but among uh, among fans in the U.K., either at the sports books, the legal sports books, where you can go up to the window or online, and this is now... Uh, really uh, tinged a heavyweight fight last weekend between Dave Allen, a a British heavyweight, an English heavyweight, uh, and Dorian Darch, a a Welsh heavyweight, that ended in a third-round knockout. So uh, for the audience here on Big Fight Weekend, I wrote about this on BigFightWeekend.com. It caused some controversy, not just because of the outcome, David, but because it happened in the third round And now we come to find out that there had been betting irregularity, a lot of betting on Allen to win by third-round knockout, and that online sportsbooks and even some bookmakers uh, at their windows had begun to stop taking bets on David Allen to win by third-round knockout in this this seemingly nondescript, non-title heavyweight fight. And so now there's an investigation going. I, I just I want your insight, your perspective on what happened in Sheffield, England last Saturday. Do you believe it was legit? What, what do you think about all of this? And is too much being made of it, David Payne? Uh, it's a good question, TJ, and it's an unfortunate one for us to have to wrestle with. Um, I think <clears throat> for context, we, we're all aware that Gambling is possible on just about anything. If two flies had different coloured shirts on and were crawling up a wall, I'm sure there'd be a market for it somewhere. Uh, and it it does open us up. It does open sport up to to ever greater risk. Even as you described, quite a an inconspicuous fight in every other regard. Dave Allen's return to to fighting after a a, a painful loss to David Price last year. Um, is a bit of a, a low feature, a four-round fight deep on an undercard. Why would there even be a betting market, really? Um, but you're absolutely right. There were some significant sums. But I understand there were some bets in the tens of thousands on Allen to win in the third round, which is not, in the cold facts pre-fight, wouldn't be that much of an outrageous prediction. But obviously, the the boxing pat- uh, sorry, the betting patterns that show a lot of money going on that uh, eventuality uh, raises suspicions. Um, and then much has been made of the actual footage in the fight, which, if you want to read it that way, makes some suggestions that there was some encouragement for Alan to finish it at that at the point that he did. Um, I've watched it back a couple of times now. Um, I'm not in the habit of watching back four-round uh, <laughs> gatekeeper journeyman fights. Um, I have to say... If I'd watched it without the prior knowledge, I don't think I'd have had any concerns about it. Um, I thought that Dave Allen came out in the third round having had something of a telling off in the corner from trainer Jason Shinfield to say, you know, you're making this guy look better. It's time to show that you are a much better guy. Come on, let's get on with it. 
Um, they, and the ever complex Dave Allen seemed to respond to that. And I think counted seven or eight unanswered body shots, some of them pretty meaty, and then a, a pretty hefty left hook, which seemed to stun Darch. And then um, he knocked him down, and then he got back up and knocked him down again. And we, for those who have ever been hit by a body shot, and uh, in my own minuscule experience, they are a very strange and painful experience where you can find yourself on the floor and not quite sure how you got there. Um, we mustn't underestimate just how bad those, and how much of a, a dint those can put in the uh, morale and um, pain thresholds of a fighter, even professional fighters. Body shots, uh, they don't always don't always carry the visible signs, but the, the evidence is on the inside and the, in the reaction of the fighter. So I'm not... I'm not as alarmed as some have been about this, but you cannot escape the boxing, the, the betting money that's gone on this eventuality, which has raised sufficient suspicions that there may be sure. some investigation. And I do believe that some of the betting companies have refused to pay out. Um, I have read stories of that, although that's uncorroborated, but I have I have read suggestions that that's been the case. So Dave Allen, just for full disclosure, is a guy I've interviewed extensively last year. Uh, he's from the same hometown as me. Is what he's a fighter I very much root for, in life and in boxing. Um, and a more honest and sincere guy, I would find it hard to put forward. And that said, who knows? Who knows right. in this day? Hopefully, the investigation can get to the truth, whatever that might be. And so, the gambling commission refuses to confirm or deny any ongoing investigation in England. The British Boxing Board of Control, which is the governing body, has confirmed they're looking into the result. Um, okay, so so two or three points that I love to have your your feedback on. First of all, you're talking to someone, and we've gotten to know each other on these podcasts. We even had a meal last October together in England, uh, where David came and met me, and we talked. So we're getting to know each other. I love a good conspiracy as much as anybody else. All right, I'm I'm all I'm all for it, but we got to have some evidence and some facts. One one of the phrases that I often repeat that I heard earlier in my career: coincidences are coincidences until people have planned and prepared for them. Then they ain't coincidences anymore. So so that's one of the things where the antenna goes up that the live betting, the live betting on what round it would end, suddenly began to hone in on one specific round. And electronically, Indeed. electronically, David, that's where some of these online um, apps, uh, Skybet is one of them and a couple other ones, they stopped it because of the irregularity that they saw yeah, on, that, on that specific round. Another point, uh, for everyone that has their opinion about how you fix a fight, and you wrote about this, you have great insight because you wrote about a Jake LaMana fix fight. They can happen for many different reasons. And oh, by the way, both parties don't necessarily have to be involved here. For example, I'm not saying that I know this happened. I'm sitting in the United States. I'm a continent away. I don't know that this happened. I'm just putting this out there. If a fighter, fighter X, decides... I am going to go down in the third round on his own without the other fighter's knowledge, and then the word were to get out that this is what he's going to do and he or those around him are betting on him to do this, you would only, my point is, you would only need one fighter to decide to do that. It wouldn't have to necessarily be agreed upon by both fighters. One more point for the audience here educating them. In the case of Darch, he had lost eight of his last nine fights, including six in a row by stoppage or knockout. Again, not specifically to him, and David, I'm not trying to cross-examine you. I'm just putting this out there for the public. If you were looking for a guy to take a dive, to go down on a knockout in a nondescript fight, this is the type of fighter that you would be looking at. What's another loss? What's another knockout loss? Because everybody would come to expect he's going to get knocked out at some point in this fight. Okay, so I said a lot there. React to any of that or all of that or whatever you think real quick, David Payne. Go ahead. Well, Perry Mason. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the the conclusions that you draw there, I can see the logic and I can see the pathway. And the commentary on our side of the Atlantic, uh, we had the obviously the, the Sky commentary, uh, was even in the second round making reference to the fact that the two had sat down and had coffee that mm. morning ahead of the fight. And Which what do you and many, what do you make of that? Let me do. stop you. What, let, what do you make of that when you hear that? I don't know how common uh, it is over there. 
Uh, but in the United States, that I mean, that raises red flags. That the fighters see each other, say hello, have breakfast, have a meeting before the fight, it just raises suspicion. Is the opinion over here? What do you say to that? I I, I think in this this instance, I'm not trying to bat for one side or the other, really, but um, I think in this instance that wouldn't be that uncommon, as you point out. Darsh is a uh, what we call a, a circuit fighter. You'd probably call a tomato can kind of <laughs> opponent. Um, he he's fit and he's durable enough, and he gives he gives prospects and young young fighters some rounds. That that's the business that he's in, and fighting frequently is the business that he's in. Um, so yes, a loss on his record is not going to be at the end of the world. But the point I was making is him chatting away to his opponent ahead of a four-round fight, buried on an undercard. There's no great grudge here. There's no expectation of a classic. There's nothing really to be um, captured. Darts is expecting to lose. Allen's expecting to win. So the competitive element to it, it it's the, it's that great grey area of boxing, isn't it, when you have the, uh, the journeyman versus the guy with some sort of future. We all kind of know what the outcome's going to be. We all know the pantomime we're about to watch. But we still, we let it proceed. Um, however, the fact that I don't know what Darsh's purse would be for something like this, the the temptation is inevitably there, as you point out, because a defeat is not really going to alter the, the trajectory of his career, if I can get my words out. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's, no, there's no great suffering to his professional career. Uh, esteem if he was to lose another fight so the temptation when there are markets available say i don't know whatever the odds were when they started out at three to one four to one nine to two whatever um that's you can imagine how that could spread like wildfire if there was a there was some encouragement that he might choose the third round to go down i'm not saying that that has happened i thought there was enough meat on all those shots for that knockdown to be legitimate but um hopefully they'll 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 We'll get down to the truth, and uh, boxing's pristine reputation will be preserved. (laughs) I love the sarcasm from David Payne. I promise we're moving off of this subject to a couple of others here in a moment as he joins me on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, uh, as we have much to discuss with him, uh, including Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson, 30th anniversary upset upcoming. Did you have something else to add there? Because I was going to add one more thing. I just think quickly, I'm not trying to dismiss this, and I think... As a broader examination, I know you guys are opening up markets now in the, in the States for online betting, sports betting, etc. So these, in some ways, are a new world uh, for some of the audience over there in the States. But it, this this is the truth and reality, the danger that we expose sport to. It can't be stopped, but this could be a story that's repeated in the future, where there are suspicions and eyebrows raised about certain occurrences in sport. And it's... Uh, it's something I'm not sure that boxing has the um, what's the word, the organisation for the, the the governing, the sanctioning bodies, the control of to be able to protect it in the same way that say the tennis tour does, right. or cricket has done, or other sports have got. They don't have the the ability to exclude people in the same way. We see the problems that we have with drugs. So this might be the tip of an iceberg, and this might prove to be a red herring. But I think as a storyline, this is one that is going to crop up again in the future, and we might be talking about this just as much as we talk about performance-enhancing drugs in boxing. Interesting. And, of course, uh, the the history of the sport is littered with fighters taking a dive. There's the American phrase, going down on purpose, getting knocked out, losing. I mean, very famously, the the Muhammad Ali-Sonny Liston rematch has long been uh, questioned as to whether it was a legitimate punch or whether the fight was fixed by the Las Vegas mob or, or by the Chicago mob. That, that Liston was supposed to lose in the first round and make tons of money for the mob betting on him to get knocked out. So that, that goes back to the history of the fight. We'll see what the British Boxing Board of Control does. Again, I wrote the item on BigFightWeekend.com, and Dave Allen answered me and, in fairness, said, I welcome the investigation. I want to talk to the, uh, the BB... Uh, OC, I want to talk to the Gambling Commission. I have nothing to hide, so that's fair to him. Darch has denied it. Darch humorously put on social media a picture, as you know, David, of his face reddened and swollen and said, if it was a fix, I needed to get more money. I love the humor. I love that part. But there needs to be further investigation into what was going on here. Just because, again, coincidences that are prepared for 
they are coincidences. So let's just let's just see uh, what comes of that. What we do know is that we saw an historic fight 30 years ago this week, Tokyo, Japan, Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson. Full disclosure, you and I have talked about this before, but it's a new podcast audience here. Uh, We've written about it on BigFightWeekend.com. I'm sure at some point in your career you've written or made reference to Douglas's stunning upset of the menacing, undefeated, undisputed heavyweight champ Mike Tyson uh, February 11th in Tokyo, February 10th in the United States, February 11th in Tokyo, 1990 it happened. All right, so when you think back on that, and you and I are contemporaries, what do you still remember? What do you want to say 30 years later that we're still talking about the magnitude of that upset? Oh, it's astonishing. Um, the, the My only regret is that I didn't watch it live. That's the thing. The the, the Tokyo venue, um, the, the, it, it made it much harder to see, and it was kind of a story that broke like a ripple effect in the pre-internet days. Um just incredulous uh, as uh, another contemporary of mine online has referred to this week they were selling vhs copies of it in the video <laughs> store just because you needed to see right. it with your own eyes right. it's a different time and a different age um but it's unquestionably to my mind the greatest uh, heavyweight upset of all time it's entered our vernacular you know buster douglas is often the a reference point, you know, the Buster Douglas moment and so on and so forth. It means so many things, just as Mike Tyson meant so many things to us back then. He seemed um, he seemed like he would be champion for a decade or more. I wrote a piece on gambling.com in the last week about the nine biggest upsets, and it's unquestionably number one. I think he was um, 42 to one on. Correct. Uh, it's just, um, it's staggering really to look back. And I think it's in some ways preserved it's, it's a, uh, the astonishment of the result is preserved by the fact that Buster Douglas didn't go on to do any more, really, with his professional career. Obviously, he earned a great deal more when he fought Holyfield and he did have a number of more fights, but he, he never got anywhere near those heights again. Whereas other great upsets that we've seen in the past, like the ones you mentioned when the then Cassius Clay beat Sonny Liston the first time, he obviously went on to have this amazing career, which some in some way... Um, makes it less of a shock in the in the hindsight, whereas in the hindsight, looking back on Tyson and Douglas, it remains so, doesn't it? Because yep. Tyson was so impervious at the time, and um, and Douglas didn't go on to do great that much beyond it. And I think, much prior, so if I can interject, kind of, it, it's it, it a, preserves it in that bubble, doesn't it? Yes, and I think it's a great example of the, the you know, I love using these metaphors, lightning in a bottle. Buster Douglas captured lightning in a bottle. The weeks leading up to the fight, he got in the shape of his life. His mother had passed away. That was a huge motivating factor for him to get in shape and to do it for her. Uh, and at the same time, Tyson was apparently not taking it seriously. Why would he? He had destroyed virtually everybody he had fought. Uh, Douglas was a nondescript fighter. They couldn't they couldn't sell the fight air quotes to the United States to Las Vegas or Atlantic City. So instead, they went for bigger money to have him fight in Japan. And and apparently Tyson did not take it that seriously, was still obviously in shape, was still obviously a power puncher, but maybe not in the greatest shape, not not as fit, not as sharp as he needed to be. And Douglas was bigger than him size wise, more reach, good jab and lightning in a bottle happened. Um, that night. Okay, so fun story for you. I don't know that you remember this. I'm a college student in Memphis, Tennessee, the home of Elvis Presley, February of 1990. My uh, my residence where I stayed with my grandmother, my father's mother, did not have cable TV. There was no HBO for the for the broadcast of the fight in my house. A college friend of mine who's working at the local television station, had HBO. I insist to him, David Payne, you've got to tape this fight. I want to see the Tyson fight. you got to tape this fight. He says to me, like most of America, most of the world would say, why? Why do I care? We're not going to watch this. He's going to destroy the guy in one round. And so I said, tape the fight. Tape the fight, and we'll watch it when you get done. Saturday night, we'll watch the fight as if it's live. And as you mentioned, pre-internet days, uh, you, you couldn't find out the result, uh, and so we uh, we set out to watch this, whatever was going to happen, after he got off work, probably somewhere around like 11.30, 11.45 Eastern Time, he would be off from work. Uh, at Memphis time, this would be around 11 p.m. local time, we would watch the fight. Well, of course, yep. the word gets out everywhere. I don't have HBO, but the word is out on the radio, and they break in on ESPN, on the cable channel here, and say... 
The upset has happened. Douglas has won, and now everybody's freaking out. And my friend has a VHS tape of the fight. He is now the most popular guy this side of Elvis Presley in Memphis, Tennessee, because he has a tape of the fight. Because fans have to remember, not only pre-internet, in those days, HBO, for example, didn't rerun the fight two hours later, David. They didn't show it even the next day. If you had not taped it or seen it live, you weren't going to see it. I still remember they re-aired the fight in its entirety the following week. They built it up for a whole week, hadn't shown it for a whole week. The re-air of the fight, with everybody knowing the results, had like 10 million viewers to watch a replay of the fight because it was the following week. So anyway, my point is, we live in a different age now. At that time, just reflecting on it, the magnitude of the upset, the fact that nobody could see it, nobody could believe it, you couldn't believe it. David Payne, uh, that's the whole point of this and why we're talking 30 years later. And uh, and we kind of bring it to Andy Ruiz, the the American, the Mexican-American uh, from California, stunning Anthony Joshua last June, the unbeaten unified heavyweight champion. Amazing, isn't it, that Ruiz pulls that shocking upset and then the same thing basically happens where he doesn't tra- take his training seriously, uh, isn't in shape, whatever whatever you want to say, and Joshua dominates him in the rematch, and we may never see Andy Ruiz on the big stage again, just like we never saw Buster Douglas after Holyfield dispatched him with one punch on the big stage again. It's amazing that 30 years later we relive this stuff, David. Well, quick thought. Pe- pe- well, people are people, ultimately. As my dad often reminds me when I remark on um, fantastic, to you, soccer players, yeah. um, incredible talents that waste them, and you know, spend the time drinking and womanizing and so on. And this, my dad often reminds me that at the end of the day, they're just people like the rest of us. He's just a normal lad from probably a council estate in some rundown part of England. And why would you expect him to know any better when he's got money? So it's kind of the same story, isn't it? It's, it, it maketh the man or it ruins the man. And unfortunately at the moment for Andy Ruiz, it's ruined him as a professional athlete. But as he's sitting there celebrating with a big smile on his face and a big meal in front of him in a big house, with millions in the bank, he probably wonders what on earth I'm talking about. <laughs> Very true on that. But we love the stunning upset, the out-of-nowhere upset. Oh, absolutely. And it's what makes boxing great. That one night Douglas put it together. The one night Ruiz put it together. Yeah. Clay, Clay, obviously, who later became Ali, uh, put it together because he was a great fighter. And you mentioned it. He sustained it over the course of the next 15 years. He sustained it. Uh, so you just don't know in uh, in boxing. But... Uh, here we are still talking about Buster Douglas, who's still alive despite health problems in the past. Buster Douglas still alive 30 years later uh, after one of the great moments in sports history, certainly in American sports history, if not worldwide sports history, not just boxing history with what he did. So uh, there you go um, on that. All right. So before I, I am done here, I, I love David Payne's insight on all things. I promise we will have you back next week. I've heard there might be a significant heavyweight fight in Las Vegas next week that you might want to talk about. Uh, Wilder Fury, right? Well, that's confirmed. That fight is next week, and, and we might have some things to say about that next week on the podcast, right? Well, I certainly hope so, because if you can't get excited about Fury versus Wilder 2, then you're following the wrong sport, I would think. Um, yeah. I'm very I'm very excited, and I'm pleased it's come around so quickly. It feels pre- very quick since Wilder's last fight, so yeah, looking forward to talking about that more next week. All right, so we'll have more on that. I guess a couple of uh, things we'll lean on you for. Josh Warrington, IBF featherweight champion, uh, news in England that he has split, uh, split from his promoter, uh, Frank Warren, and has signed on with Eddie Hearn in Matchroom boxing that this may represent a unification title fight or other big fights through matchroom uh, with Eddie Hearn for Josh Warrington. Give me your insight real quick. What do you make of this in the 126-pound division? I don't know what stone that is in England. Enlighten me there on featherweight, but what, is it, what does it mean? Uh, it's a, they're nine stoners. Thank um, you. That, the, that's the, the, the English description, uh, British description, sorry. Um, I think this is born out of frustration, as these things often are. You'll recall, uh, hopefully, when he emerged onto, into the spotlight by beating Carl Frampton, um, that uh, his his aim, his goal, was very singular. He wanted unifications. He didn't want to mess around with uh, mandatories, with with um, warm-up fights. He wanted straight for unifications. And unfortunately, they've not really come to pass for him. Um, he looked a little frustrated in the Kid Galahad fight. 
And now I think the situation is that um, the IBF have mandated that he needs to fight Kid Galahad next in a rematch, which is not something that he will run towards either financially or from um, a kind of competitive point of view or from a profile point of view. He's done that, been there, got the T-shirt, so to speak. So I think he thinks <laughs> that I think he thinks that um, Eddie Hearn can open up new doors for him. But if he wants to keep hold of that IBF title, they're going to need to work around this Kid Galahad situation um, because uh, without that belt, despite the fact he's an unbeaten fighter and uh, with a growing international reputation he's going to need that belt as his leverage one would think to make fights happen with other champions in truth i think he wants to fight in the states he'd like to do the las vegas thing or the new york thing which is always an aspiration for british fighters along the way despite the stadiums that they can sell out here they all want to do the madison square gardens or the las vegas thing follow the ricky hatton the nasim Ahmeds of the past um but it's not a division that's um weighed down with great names um we've just had gary russell fight so that's him done for 12 to 18 months <laughs> he'll, and can he'll i tell you into his cabin hey we cover the sport he is uninteresting right now to fight and i don't i don't know and again that's different rival that's premier boxing champions as you know against uh against matchroom boxing i don't know that that fight would happen anyway but i don't know that anybody's excited about gary russell and josh warrington i guess the fighter is shakur stevenson the former u.s olympian the yeah. wbo champ what, what do you make of that? Can that fight happen in 2020? Well, Is that the interesting one? Well, an interview with Frank Warren on secondsout.com um, suggests that uh, the, the, the Galahad fight has got to happen first uh, and that they, they believe that Stevenson was always planning to have a, another fight because he wants to build up his experience because he is, uh, to some extent, a novice pro, isn't he still? Although he's making big noises and make, making big claims. So the Stevenson-Warrington fight looks like a natural, but... He seems to have fallen out of bed or, or not progressed. Um, and I, I have read that Stevenson believes that the Warren offer was um, was not what he what he was looking for or expecting for, for that kind of clash. So, as usual, it, 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 it crashes against the rocks of money, doesn't it? Um, yep. With, with Hearn, I'm not sure who would be the natural next foe. Um, as a, you look at the, the you look at the featherweight rankings, and, and as I mentioned, there's there's not a plethora of sellable assets in that division. So you might even begin to wonder whether there might be a move up in weight potentially, because there are one or two more names there that have got some traction, like um, Oscar Valdez or Frampton, people like that. There are there are names up there that could earn bigger money and be a bigger attraction, um, although they'll be busy trying to negotiate amongst themselves. So I'm not really sure what happens for Warrington next. I'm not sure if this is the answer. One would presume there's a plan and he's not done this without there being a plan laid in front of him. Um, but uh, it's not rich pickings in that division right now. Love that phrase, Rich Pickens. Got that out of David Payne here. Uh, we need to get out of here on this edition of the Big Fight Weekend Podcast with David. He's got to run, so do I, uh, here in this moment. Promote away, sir, not only uh, your own site, your social media, but what else you're doing with gambling.com where we can read you and, uh, and find out more from you uh, here in the coming days. Go ahead. Yes, well, thank you again for the invitation. Always a pleasure to be on with you, TJ. Uh, yes, you can find me on... Um Twitter at the boxing writer, um, often commenting on the stories of the day and the fights at the weekend, etc. And yes, I've just written a thing that we've mentioned: the uh, the nine biggest heavyweight upsets on gambling.com, going right back to the to the old days. Max Bear and everybody for those who like a bit more black oh, yes. and white history. Oh yes. Um, so so yeah, some interesting stories there. And yes, you gotta have uh, you gotta have Max Schmeling upsetting uh, the Brown Bomber Joe Lewis as part of those upsets. I gotta I gotta speculate, right? That's gotta be one of the nine on your list, right? I, th- I think I think that did make the nine. Um, right. It is a few weeks. It is a few weeks since I wrote it, so forgive me. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, I do well it, to remember what I had for breakfast. So yes, I understand and appreciate. But this is a great tease. Go read. Go read and see what yeah. the nine are. Right. Yeah, indeed. And um, hoping to be busier soon on uh, boxingwriter.co.uk. And of course, I do appear on bigfightweekend.com occasionally. So. 
yes, um, by all means, reach out or read my stuff as and where you get the chance. Love this man's insight. We will be talking uh, Wilder Fury, Fury Wilder, whatever you prefer from Las Vegas. That is coming next weekend, not this weekend, but next weekend at the time we're taping. We'll have more with David Payne about that next week. Always love it. Thank you for making time for me on all these different subjects, David. We appreciate it. Enjoy the fights as everything unfolds here in the next few days. We'll talk to you next week. Good man. See you then, TJ. Thanks a lot. Still to come straight ahead, a three-way conversation with Marquise John, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com, and also Jake Donovan of BoxingScene.com with insight on was this heavyweight battle in England a non-heavyweight fight that's getting uh, really worldwide attention right now. Was it on the up and up or not? These guys are going to be talking about that. More on the Buster Douglas 30th anniversary of his knockout upset of Mike Tyson in Japan with these guys. These guys will also be previewing the weekend fight card including Ryan Garcia against uh, Francisco Fonseca. Uh, that's the Zone Show Friday night lightweight uh, battle in California. Also, Caleb Plant will defend his IBF super middleweight title Saturday night in Nashville on Fox on Over the Year uh, Network TV. And uh, Jake Donovan is there in Nashville covering the fight, lives there in Nashville. He'll have more on, on that uh, coming up. want to tell you that Big Fight Weekend is also brought to you in part by the Play Pick 6 mobile app. If you think you know sports and know how to predict then you need to grab the Play Pick 6 mobile app, especially if you're a college basketball and NBA fan. You've got a chance to pick any six games right now on a given night, especially on a weekend like Saturday where there's Buku college basketball and a ton of NBA. Pick any six games, and like, unlike a lot of other of these uh, app prediction contests, uh, you can cross over sports. A lot of them you can only play one sport, like football or basketball, but the Play Pick 6 mobile app you can cross over, play multiple sports, pick any six teams you like, Get a sports restaurant-themed gift card just for winning if all six come in. It's free to play, absolutely free to play. Download the Play Pick 6 mobile app in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. Sign up will only take you a couple of minutes, and then you've got a chance to win that gift card if you play those six teams and they all come in winners in the same day. And here's a little secret. If you're playing on Saturday, for example, this weekend, there are so many basketball games that if you lose one of yours in the Play Pick 6, the game doesn't let you predict until you lose lose one but if you lose one early enough you can go back in and pick six more games college basketball nba even the nhl pick any six games if they're still left uh mountain time zone western time zone uh for these games pick any six and you get another chance to win with play pick six again download the app in the apple store in the google play store show what you know Get out of that armchair, make your predictions, get a great sports restaurant-themed gift card if you get all six correct. It is Play Pick 6. As promised, as advertised, I get uh, I get a tag team effort here. Senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com, Marquise Johns, who's always with me on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Oh, and looky here, uh, one of the top writers with BoxingScene.com, Jake Donovan, is with us. Jake in the box is with us. Good to have you, Jake. Thank you very much, TJ Marquis. Uh, it's an honor to be on the show, man. I, I love your show. I love listening to you guys all the time. Love reading all your stuff on the Big Fight Weekend. So, uh, yeah, man, just ready to get right into this. Marquise, Appreciate I, it, Jake. Marquise, I don't know how much you bribed him. The, the fact that he returns your text message, he even socialized with you <laughs> when you were like in Philly and stuff before. So this is uh, kudos to Jake Donovan for uh, well. <laughs> Well, TJ, as you know, uh, I was just, you know, talking with a, a couple of friends over some boxing and some coffee. You know, I didn't hope to, you know, plan or uh, fix anything, if you know what I'm saying. Well, like round three, maybe? <laughs> Did it come up about round three uh, well, in, in that situation? Uh, not so much. Uh, yeah, so I, I know what you're making reference to. And again, David Payne and I have just talked earlier in the podcast about whatever that six-round heavyweight fight was last Saturday. So from both right. of from both of you guys here, let's start with Jake Marquise because he is our guest. So Dave mm-hmm. Allen gets the knockout, air quotes. It, right. it, I mean, it looked legit, but there is so much around it right now about was it a fix? Did Darch go down on purpose? Jake, you wrote about it earlier in the week. It's being investigated. Right. Where do we stand? What do you think? Um, where we stand? I mean, the investigation is still ongoing. Um, Man, this is a tough one. I mean, only because people were actually speculating about the fix being in before the fight even began. I guess people who passionately, you know, uh, they check, you know, betting trends, 
they noticed a lot of action was on that third round knockout. Um, and sure enough, that's what we got. And it came after two rounds of essentially nothing. So, you know, I mean, there's smoke. And I do believe the gambling commission is doing the right thing. You know, they're doing their due diligence by looking into the matter. Uh, my understanding is the British Boxing Board of Control isn't quite involved yet, other than being questioned by the gambling commission. And they're, they're letting the gambling commission take the lead. Uh, me, being an optimist, I, I just want to believe, you know, I, I looked at the odds. And I would say that, you know, maybe people just found value in the third-round knockout. That, you know, okay, Anthony Joshua knocked out Dorian Darch in two rounds. I think Daniel DeBlois knocked him out in, uh, in the second round. So, they're saying if those guys went to it, then why would David Allen knock him out in the first round? So, maybe they just saw those third-round odds as being so enticing that they had to grab it. Just, you know, with that much action, it, it's worth looking into. Um, the optics don't look good, but, I, you know, at the risk of being, you know, sued, I, you know, I don't want to accuse anybody of anything without sufficient proof. But, um, you know, I, I certainly understand why people believe there was some wrongdoing in this fight. It's well, so strange because it's not a fight where, you, you know, you would think, you know, David Allen wouldn't need any help in, in beating someone like Dorian Darch, you know, especially with a predetermined outcome. It's a good point that you make there. And obviously, Darch had lost his previous six yep. fights by knockout or stoppage. I said earlier on this podcast before you guys came on, that's the perfect guy. Again, yep. we don't have any real insight, but that's the perfect guy that could take a knockout loss and nobody would really bat an eye because that's what had been happening. Marquise, to you, uh, follow up on what Jake had to say and what your thoughts are on the investigation ongoing and, and uh, what you think. Absolutely, TJ. And I'm going to piggyback what Jake did say. The optics on that fight, if you watch all 17 minutes of that fight back, it does not look good. And it's very interesting that this fight's under investigation. For somehow, some reason, the fine folks at uh, Zones uh, YouTube have not taken this fight down. I'll be surprised they haven't yet. So I've been able, able to show this to people who have not watched boxing, TJ. You know, the, the people at the office who don't have any idea, who still think, you know, Mike Tyson, you know, sells chicken nuggets. <laughs> so, and I showed it to them, and... They pretty much assumed that, the, the, for, the, for lack of better terms, they thought it looked a little staged on their part. And, TJ, as you well know, as the host of the uh, Three Dog podcast, yeah. uh, a three dog, uh, for Three Dog Thursday, usually the biggest problem with anyone who gambles, and as a former yeah. horse degenerate, I can tell you, when you bet the horse down to where you can't make any money off of it, or in this case, you take the horse off the table, <laughs> there's a big issue with it. So we'll see what they come up with on the on the on the gambling side of things. I'm waiting at some point that the British Board of Control will do something. You know, they kind of drag their feet on everything. So we'll just have to wait and see. And once more, Dave Allen responded to what we wrote, Jake, and I know you wrote about this too, and said, yep. I welcome the investigation. I want to talk to them. I did nothing wrong. We'll see where it leads. I mean, they're allowed to proclaim their innocence, and let's let's see yep. what the investigation upholds. And another aspect of this, it's entirely possible that just some people were playing a hunch and bet the third round like you're talking about, Jake, and that maybe caused enough of an irregularity for the online mechanisms to say, whoa, wait a minute, because enough people were playing a hunch. Maybe that's what it was, maybe not. We hopefully uh, will find out at some point. All right, so we move off that controversy uh, to an historic week that we have had here, the 30th anniversary of Buster Douglas's shocking upset of Mike Tyson, yeah. arguably the greatest upset uh, in the history of boxing, certainly one of the greatest upsets in the history of any sporting event, at least in America, yeah. North America. Uh, Jake, 30, 30 years later, can I be that old of a man? 30 years <laughs> later, here we are. What about it? Yeah, I mean, you know, you talk about how old, uh, man. I was, I was a 19-year-old kid in the, actually, I was 18 going on 19. I was in the, in the army over in Germany, and you know, as someone who grew up in Coney Island, you know, a Brooklyn boy, I, you know, Mike Tyson was never going to lose my, in my eyes. So I remember, you know, because of the time difference, we all went to bed thinking, okay, you know, Tyson's going to blow out Buster Douglas. You know, we're all going to wake up and he's still going to be champ. And sure enough, you know, we all woke up and realized we missed the, the biggest story in boxing history. So. Um, you know, it's amazing that it still plays 30 years later, even last year with Andy Ruiz's um, historic upset of, of Anthony Joshua. It's like that that win, you know, Buster Douglas's win, the performance he put forth that night in, in Tokyo, still stands the test of time. I mean, it just goes to show, you know, just how massive of an upset that was. And, and probably something that will never be topped in boxing history, just because of what Mike Tyson stood for, you know, for so long. Marquise, thoughts? The end of Tyson mania 
in a in a fight that was obviously slept on by everyone and slept on also yeah. because they thought it was a done deal. And I, I remember actually, TJ, because I remember seeing this as a kid growing up on delay because we had HBO somewhat legally. That's debatable. But <laughs> we, we, we were, we, as, as a, back in Detroit when I was a kid growing up, my, our parents' house was the house that had all the fights. We had the Tyson Tucker. We had all the, the tournament. We had we, we had we had, we had Tyson Spinks. Right. We had we, we was the neighborhood house. So when that fight was on delay and we saw that we all saw that knockout in the 10th round, it was just like, are you serious? And like, yeah. I still remember this day, my mom is still confused at the fact, like, how did he get hit so hard on a guy who had nothing to lose? And that's kind of what happened yeah. with Buster Douglas, in, in a, essentially in a nutshell. Well, and as I was sharing before you guys came on the podcast, my friend, because I didn't have HBO, I'm in college in Memphis, Tennessee, and my friend VHS the fight. Uh, back in the day, and and, H, and oh, HBO, man. right, at my urging, I wanted to watch the fight, and, he's, and he said, as I uh, have been relating, uh, why, are, why are we taping this? Tyson's going to destroy him in one round, and I said, tape the fight. He became the most popular guy this side of Memphis yeah. rendezvous ribs, because he had a VHS <laughs> of the Tyson-Douglas fight, because the other thing that people don't appreciate, no internet, right? HBO was yep. not replaying the fight, so if you had not taped it, you did not have footage to be able to rewatch it until they re-aired it the next week. They built it up, took seven days, re-aired the fight, and had something like 10 million people watch the re-air of Tyson Douglas, so it was a different age. Uh, but it still, it still resonates, and I think one more thing we take away from this, the, the Tyson had that aura of invincibility, and, and I guess what we've now learned not only from that night, from Joshua last summer, nobody's invincible, right, in this sport. Right. Jake, nope. what do you think? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, just, you know, going to next week, we're going into, uh, you know, another massive heavyweight, you know, uh, title fight, Deontay Wilder, who's being claimed as you know, the hardest puncher in, in heavyweight and boxing history, and you know, something I really never dispute, but it, it doesn't mean it's going to bail him out every single time. So, you know, I mean, I think it's the perfect time to reflect on, you know, the, the impossible taking place, you know. So hopefully that's something that resonates with Deontay Wilder and a man who was named after Mike Tyson, Tyson Fury fighting next week. How about that? Marquise, anything else? Yeah, yeah TJ, what the fact of it being invent, there's no one invincible in boxing, we will find out as Jake with, with the heavyweight fight next week. But also with just with the fights just in general where it's like we always assume like this weekend, for example, uh, where Jake's at covering the uh, Caleb Plant fight. It's a hometown fight. Everything's all but predetermined for the most part, allegedly. But you just right. never know until the, until the bell rings. Good point on that. Excellent segue. So let's get to the fights this weekend. Again, as Jake Donovan is with yeah, Marquise gets bonus points there for the segue. Jake Donovan with us, BoxingScene.com. Marquise uh, Johns, uh, BigFightWeekend.com here on the podcast. So Jake, up first is the DAZN show in California with Ryan Garcia, who's looking to get on the radar for a bigger payday. Uh, he and Oscar De La Hoya are back on nicey-nice terms because he got a new deal with more money. What what about this Friday night zone main event? Man, I, I gotta tell you, you wanna talk about a stroke of promotional genius. You got Ryan Garcia, Jorge Linares, Blair Hobbs, promoted by Oscar De La Hoya. This is the sexiest boxing card I can think of in recent memory. On Valentine's Day. And this is this is a You mean promotion. you mean sexy perfect in the literal sense. Good looking dudes, good looking whomevers, right? That, I am comfortable enough for my manhood. <laughs> and obviously they didn't invite any of us to be part of that Not promotion <laughs> as the sexiest in that. Continue, Jay. There you go. Exactly. No, I mean, I, I like this card. It's, um, you know, Ryan Garcia keeps talking about, you know, he wants this is going to be the year. He's going to fight for a world title. He's called out Javante Davis by name. They're going back and forth on Twitter. Um, you know, if you're going to call out Javante Davis, start going after the guys he's beat. There you go. He's fighting Francisco Fonseca. You know, Davis was able to knock him out. Um, I think he handed uh, Fonseca his first loss. So, you know, perfect comparison performance. I, I think Ryan Garcia is the real deal. You know, he gets dismissed as just another pretty boy. Um, I always thought he was the goods. He had some, you know, he had to, you know, learn a little bit more than I think people were giving him credit for. But to his credit, he made that adjustment. He joined forces with the Reynosos, and he's been a beast ever since. Um, I, I think he's a legit top ten contender right now. This is a great way to introduce himself to that next stage of his career this weekend. Marquise, is he ready to take a big step? Garcia, Friday night? 
I hope so, TJ, and I'm hoping he does on Aaron because he's he's pretty much the next thing for Golden Boy in terms of prospects coming up, along with Virgil Ortiz and and a few others. But my fight on this card, guys, I'm gonna be honest with you, I am all for Blair Cobbs because Blair Cobbs yep. is just his his story is incredible, TJ. I'll refresh for those who haven't heard any of it. Pretty much a kid who came out of jail, had, was doing wrong, and found boxing and, and cr- pretty much straightened things out. And now he's just taking his anger out and frustration on people in the ring. And he does Ric Flair Wu chants. I mean, what more do you hate? <laughs> so I am, I am all for that on this card. And also uh, on the co-main, uh, Jorge Lornares is also in action, who I think they're going to set up Garcia, should Garcia advance yeah. against Fonseca, uh, down the line with, in the event that uh, Davis, you know, it, let's be honest, guys, Tank Davis loves to talk on Twitter. He doesn't create too many fights off of it, though. So in the event that that doesn't come through, uh, Lenars may be the next man up for it on Twitter. Uh, for him down the line My only question is, has Cobbs broken out somewhere on video, YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok, the 87 right. other forms of formation of, <laughs> of apps, a to beat the man, you got to be the man, you got to beat the man. Has Cobbs has not broken that out like Ric Flair. He does the woo, but he doesn't do that yet. We don't know this, either, either one of you. We, don't, we haven't seen that, right? I have, I have not I seen have that from him yet. I think this may be the case. Right. <laughs> All right. So that's the DAZN show Friday night. And then the PBC on Fox show that is coming on Saturday night, Nash, Vegas, uh, Tennessee. Caleb Plant returns to his hometown as the IBF 168 pound champion. Vincent Feigenbutz. Did I come close to getting that name yeah, right? Is the, is the opponent. Oh, and Jake Donovan, BoxingScene.com, based in Nashville. Give us more of the 411, the local there, and, wh- and what about this? Yeah, you know, I got to say, it's really picked up in the past week. Um, prior to, I'd say, Monday, I kept, like, drafting all these emails and texts. It just was about to go off on all these PBC people. Be like, hey, man, you finally give me a home game. Where's been the promotion? Where's the buzz? Like, nobody was really talking about this fight, but it's really picked up. Caleb had an open workout on Wednesday. It was pouring rain here. People can't drive for anything, you know, on Sunday in Nashville. But, I mean, damn it, if that, you know, that the Music City Boxing Gym, where, you know, his trainer, he literally built that gym, you know, uh, before they moved to Las Vegas. But that, that place was packed. I had to park two blocks down just to get inside to the open workout. So, oh. you know, everyone turned out for that, that lunchtime, lunchtime special. Uh, today's press conference was very festive. Um, you know, it's bizarre. It's, it's a long shot fight. Feigen Boots is, uh, you know, a lot of people are not giving him a chance. Matter of fact, I don't know anyone who's really giving him a chance. Even people back in Germany, they feel, you know, that he's a worse opponent than Mike Lee. I disagree with that. I, I think he brings a different kind of challenge, but, um, but, but the buzz has really picked up. They did a good job with getting, you know, there's not a lot of local talent out here, but the guys who can fight and the guys who can sell tickets are all on the show. Austin Dulay. Uh, Maiden Sando and um, and Tyler Tomlin. You know, all those guys are very good ticket sellers. So it's it's starting to pick up here. It's you know it's starting to feel like a a fight town, which has never been the case in the 16 years I've been here. Uh, what else here, Marquise? Do you want to add to that? Plant has obviously won a couple of big time fights and, and is expected to win. Here we go again down the the Douglas Road or the Ruiz Road. Expect the unexpected, but Douglas. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, Plant expected to win in this one in front of the home fans. But, I mean, we saw Jarrett Hurd in a big homecoming with J-Rock Williams' junior middleweight title fight, and it all went sour because uh, J-Rock put on a great performance in Hurd's hometown. So we got to be mindful of that, right? Absolutely. And also to piggyback off of that, we all saw earlier this year, uh, J-Rock in his hometown bout against Jason Rosario uh, suffered the same defeat. And I'm going to pick up what Jake said about uh, Feigenboos. There's not too much footage on the guy. In fact, TJ, I would challenge you to say there, there's maybe about as much footage I found on uh, Feigenboos uh, as I found on Tom Suarez against Tyson Fury last year. <laughs> it's the same three YouTube videos. But the one thing I did notice on his end, Jake, and I think it's really why no one's giving him a chance, is he just in the ring, he, he seems a little stiff. That's really that's the only thing I could pick it up because he's actually dropping the uh, – I don't know if he actually even mentioned it on uh, when he was out in media day, Jake. Uh, he he was the current IBO uh, super middleweight title holder. I don't know if anyone cares, but right. that that was one thing he had uh, on his resume at some point. So this isn't exactly TJ the ultimate unknown or who is this guy in terms of right. competition. I mean, in fact, actually he's he's TJ. He can't be no worse than Mike Lee. Nothing is going to be as worse no. as Subway Mike Lee. Now, let's be honest, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just, and, you know, in an era of participation trophies too. I mean, he did have an interim <laughs> title uh, at super middleweight. Um, you know, two fights with Giovanni DeCalvaris. That was his, you know, his big claim to fame. So, um, 
go, you know, with him and Mike Lee, it's, I mean, he's a different fighter than Mike Lee. Mike Lee just, he's a nice guy, but he's just, you know, he's an accountant who gave boxing a try. You know, that's, that's the way I look at Mike Lee. Feigen Booth, I mean, I even said this to Caleb on Wednesday, too. He didn't agree with it, you know, because Caleb just has that mindset he's going to destroy everyone. I don't think it's going to be a competitive fight, but I do think Feigen Booth brings enough to the table where we're going to finally see the best of Caleb's man, or at least better than what we've seen, because Mike Lee damn sure cannot drag it out of him. I mean, yeah. Caleb just played with his foot that night. So this is, you know, Caleb never needs a reason to be in tip-top shape. Everyone who's around him, his trainer, his strength and conditioning coach, Larry Wade, they all say, like, you know, they got to get him to – to rest that's his biggest flaw that he doesn't know how to rest so he's always in ripped shredded shape so i i think he knows what that stake here this weekend you know not that he, he can't just win it has to be an explosive performance a reason for pbc to bring him back to nashville a reason to bring big time big time boxing back to nashville so that's the responsibility caleb plant is bringing into the ring this weekend so that, that's why i believe we're going to see far more than what we saw last july you know feigen boots is going to hang in as long as he can it's weird he's you know He's 24 years old. He's been boxing, I think, for eight or nine years. He started when he was 16 years old. He just, he looks like a little kid. And when you talk to him, you know, even through a translator, it's like, you don't feel like you're talking to a boxer. He's just so bizarre with his analogies. He's going to hop around like a rabbit. Caleb Plant's never going to hit him. He had his own, I I got a story coming up eventually. He's so fearful of um, contamination. He had a 200 (laughs) bottle uh, case of uh, water imported from Germany. Just because he doesn't want to drink anything in Nashville, they don't. Okay. In, 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 hey, I've, I've been fans, look. I've been to Nashville. I've drank the water and survived. It's not that bad in Nashville. <laughs> You've lived there eighteen years, but apparently he wants German water. Okay. Yeah, man, I'm not gonna lie, man. I, I drink tangled water. I can't drink this Nashville crap, man. So I, <laughs> I, I, I don't blame him on that front. But like he said, he won't even go to restaurants and eat food that they make their own food. They drink their own water that they don't trust anyone. So. You know, Caleb's not buying it. He's just he thinks it's all you know, all a whole bunch of excuses. But you know, at least it's giving us some some uh, sound bites because up until Wednesday, Feigenboots has had nothing to say, and even like the publicist is like, "Well, we know nothing about you. No one's ever seen you fight. You got to give us something." So he, he's giving us something, man. It's you know quite a bit to write about. Hopefully, he gives us you know a good fight to write about on Saturday night. Well done on the promo. Again, that's the PBC on Fox show on uh, on U.S. over-the-air TV for that plant Feigen Boots 12-round IBF 168-pound title fight. Uh, hey, a breaking item on uh, Thursday night at the time we're taping the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Dan Rafel, one of the top boxing writers in, in the whole world, uh, writing for ESPN.com that apparently Callum Smith in this division, one of the title holders, has passed on the opportunity, at least for now, to fight Canelo Alvarez on May the 2nd. Marquise, I'll go to you first. Does that surprise you that apparently that offer was made and apparently it was a significant offer according to Oscar De La Hoya and Callum Smith said no? Yes and no, only because Callum Smith for the longest, uh, since he was waiting on Billy Joe Saunders and that wasn't happening, he was looking for, uh, like like everyone else, that 160 to 175 waiting for the Canelo Alvarez lottery ticket. And now that he's passing on that Golden Goose, that's it. He must have a different fight lined up. Uh, I'm pretty sure that fight's not John Ryder in a rematch, but we'll see what Callum <laughs> Smith does with it nonetheless. Jake, what do you think at 168 there about that development, if it is the case? And, of course, they could always get back together tomorrow, next week, or in two weeks and do the deal. But what do you think? Um, I mean, it's bizarre because right now Canelo does not have a, you know, it, it's not like, you know, he's making these guys an offer because he already has someone in the camp. Um the claim from Smith and from Billy Joe Saunders both is that they were given significantly low ball offers. Uh, matter of fact, you know, when I reached out to, you know, my sources within, um, you know, that are close to Saunders, they said the offer was almost to the point of it being a non-starter, that if it was anyone else, they wouldn't even consider it. But just because it's Canelo, they want to keep that line of communication open because, they, feel, you know, that's a career bet. That should be a career best payday for anyone. You know, Canelo is, is everyone's lottery ticket. You know, as Eddie Hearn calls him, he's the, he's the golden ticket. And De La Hoya has flatly said that Callum Smith is walking away from two or three times the most money he's ever made, for whatever that's worth. Right. So, who knows? Yeah, I mean, right. Smith's team, you know, Joe Gallagher, they're pouring water on on that claim. Um, Like you said, who knows? Um, One interesting thing I've heard is that uh, if they pass, it could prompt, you know, a line of communication back with uh, Rialto Murata. That you know he he might be able to come back into the mix, but I don't know if that would require Murata moving up to 168, where Canelo would presumably want to fight, 
or if Canelo will come all the way back down to, we still don't know what weight Canelo wants to fight at. Yeah. So we're just focused on all the super middleweights because it makes sense. You know, he was at 175. You have to assume he enjoyed, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas. You know, you're off. <laughs> so why would you want to drop all the way back down to a division? He's bad at, badass enough to where he can do it. But, you know, why put that risk on, you know, he gets to call the shot. So I think that's why we're focusing at 168. Um for as much talk as everyone, you know, especially Chris Mannix is dying to make, you know, Demetrius Andrade and Jamal Charlo, yeah, this would be a perfect time for, for Andrade to jump into the mix. You know, Canelo said he didn't want to fight Andrade, but what's the difference between fighting Andrade and fighting Billy Dos Santos, especially if that fight's in Las Vegas? Right. So, do you, you really know, believe I, I mean, Jake and Marquise yeah. both get an opinion from Do you really believe that Canelo would choose to fight in Japan with Murata? May 2nd, Cinco de Mayo weekend, instead of in Las right. Vegas against somebody including Murata, because that, that seems to be, to me, that seems to be the locale that he wants to fight uh, around a weekend that he wants to fight. But do you really believe he'd go to Japan instead? You buy that? Me personally, TJ? Yeah, go ahead, Jack. Good, good. No, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, no, personally, Jake uh, and TJ, I don't think he does. I really am surprised, actually, he's turned that Smith Turner's offer down. But it, it comes back to a pattern that you always hear over and over again, guys, where is, is, is Oscar De La Hoya really offering this much money? Or is it kind of like what we've been hearing before with the Kovalev, where they're getting stiffed and they wanted more money before these fights actually happened with Canelo because they all saw the, the pay that Jacobs got. And they pretty much they all think, well, if right. Jacobs got this, why can't I get this? It's, right. It's, it's, it's the zone. It's Canelo. He's he's thirty five million a fight. I mean, I want to I want a piece of the action. So I get where he come right. from on that part of it. But I, from what I gather, Jake, and I'm, I'm, I want to confirm this with you as well. I mean, it's been a while back. Uh, the, the fine guy uh, that covers uh, the folks at Asian Boxing on Twitter, uh, they mentioned that uh, the Tokyo Dome and anything like in that neck of the woods is pretty much roped off because of baseball season. Right. So I don't know. Exactly. I, unless uh, in the last time I tried setting a fight up uh, in Japan, in, in Japan, I uh, God knows how long ago it's been, but. With, uh, with Canelo going over there as opposed to just fighting in either Vegas or even Mexico where he doesn't leave the house, right. it, to me, it just sounds a little suspicious. I don't think that's possible. Either. I just think Murata's, as you know, TJ, you cover football. Murata's a smokescreen for the actual pick. And, <laughs> and more, more, often than not, more often than not, I really do think that pick, much to my chagrin, probably is Billy Joe Saunders. Interesting. Yeah. Jake, anything else? All right. Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit further on that. So I'm, I'm thinking back to when Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz were trying to find a location for their rematch, and the zone wound up paying significantly less for the fight because it took place in Saudi Arabia. Um, so keeping that in mind, I mean, granted, you know, they got a massive site fee, you know, to go there, but the zone paid less. The zone is not going to pay Canelo whatever he's making, $35 million per fight. He's not, they're not going to pay him $35 million, especially for that fight if it was going to take place in Japan on Memorial Day weekend. I mean, it means nothing over there that, you know, it has not enough interest to where it justifies, you know, paying Canelo that hefty payday to go overseas. It's a valuable fight overseas, but, you know, if Canelo wants to make that payday, it's going to have to happen in Las Vegas. It's relevant in Las Vegas. So I do believe he will eventually begin his global tour. It's not going to be for this fight. Um, You know, what Marquise alluded to, if it was going to be in Japan, I think they mentioned uh, the Saitama Super Arena was the only place yes. that was going to be available. Yeah. Where NOA and um, Nonito Donaire fought in the World Boxing Super Series finals. So, but I mean, that's just a limited, you know, scope to where, okay, if you're going to fight Murata in Japan, it's going to be May 23rd in this arena, and it's going to mean absolutely nothing in the United States. So, you know, why go that route? So that's why I, I don't think any of these talks are dead. You know, if Callum Smith personally declares that it's dead and he's going to move on, I that's not going to be a good move for him because I want to see who he's going to, you know, he might be the guy that gets stuck fighting, um, you know, Andrade or, or Daniel Jacobs, which are intriguing fights, but not really sellable fights. And, you know, fights, you know, they're not going to draw too many more eyeballs to the zone. So it's imperative for everyone to just remain in the Canelo mix. It's like you wait for Canelo to make that decision and then you kind of shape everything else accordingly. So I, I don't believe any fight is dead yet. Any fighter who says it is dead, it's, you know, God bless you and good luck to you. Good. Yes. Good luck. Good luck trying to get the cash. And uh, and we know we know that it's contentious right now with Canelo and Oscar De La Hoya apparently not even speaking for the last few months. We'll see what fight gets made where because we're in the 90 day window now for May the 2nd and whether or not that's in Las Vegas or not. I always love the insight of Marquise Johns. Uh, senior writer, bigfightweekend.com. Uh, Jake Donovan, thank you for hanging with us. Plug away on where we find you, social media, boxing scene, et cetera, and you're covering the plant fight this weekend. Go ahead, sir. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you can find me in all of Marquise's retweets. I mean, he's <laughs> one of my biggest supporters, <laughs> man. That's why I, when you guys asked me to be on the show, I'm like, man, hell yeah, man. Marquise has always been so good to me. But um, on Twitter, it's at Jake in the Box, Jake, Jake, and then N-D-A-B-O-X, Jake in the Box. I like um, it. Boxing scene, obviously, you see me every single day writing four or five stories a day. Uh, Instagram, at Jake in the Box with the underscore at the end. Uh, mostly on Twitter, though. Twitter, and this Saturday, if you're in Nashville, come check me out at ringside. I'll be the... The handsome middle-aged ball guy. <laughs> Listen to that. Uh, between the three of us, I don't think anybody has a head of hair. And like you said, uh, the uh, the male models will be on the Dazone show on Friday. And I yeah. didn't and I didn't mean to short you. Uh, give me thirty no. seconds. Wilder Fury. Do we get a good one? It was a wild one in the first fight. A lot of people think it could be a knockout uh, for Wilder, especially in the second fight. Do you think we get a good one in, in about ten days? I, you know, it's weird. Everyone kept saying how, you know, this first fight was this epic fight. I mean, it had two epic rounds. Otherwise, it was kind of a boring fight to me. Um, yeah. I think it will be yeah. better than the first fight, especially if Deontay, you know, doesn't go in there with the same approach he had with Luis Ortiz, where, I mean, it worked for him, but the first six rounds are pretty damn rough. He knows he's going to have to be on his A game for 12 rounds or less. You know, Tyson Fury knows he has to be perfect for 12 rounds because it only takes that one shot for Deontay to end the fight. So um, I do believe we'll get a better fight than the first fight. I, I don't think it's going to be an epic heavyweight championship fight but it will be something we'll be talking about sunday monday and a few days after that about that all right marquise johns we got to get out of here one more plug from you uh and a, and a goodbye here to jake donovan go ahead absolutely as always uh, dj uh weak sauce radio you can find me on twitter uh best twitter handle in the business i challenge everyone on that <laughs> Uh, pretty much watching that. Also wanted to plug as well, TJ, the uh, Showbox card Friday evening. We're, I was was slated to talk to uh, Jericho Walden, Hands of Stone. Uh, had an issue making weight. He finally made weight for the fight Friday, so glad he's in action on that. His story is nuts, uh, TJ. And I, I think you may have seen it as well, Jake. Uh, Kevin Ielli wrote a Yahoo story about pretty much how a high school football star uh, got into some trouble with the law. Parents were washed away from both back-to-back hurricanes of Katrina and Rita. Uh Shot someone who allegedly shot his dad, went to jail for it, found boxing as an outlet. And now he's undefeated, taking on Montana Love in the, uh, the second fight in the, on the uh, four-fight card. The main card is uh, Thomas Matisse versus uh, Isaac Cruz-Gonzalez. That should be interesting out in the, uh, Philadelphia. Uh, also, TJ, uh, with this next week coming up with uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, you just know the talk that what I heard all media called between Wilder Wednesday and Fury today – you would think these guys, after a year and a half, guys would have nothing else to talk about, but they're still going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's only going to continue on with the final press conference next week and everything else. So I'm looking forward to that, too. Well, and the coverage on both ESPN and Fox is going to be wall-to-wall. It's yeah. a joint pay-per-view, so that's good. Worthy of this heavyweight title rematch in the U.S. We'll see what happens with the buildup. We'll talk more about that fight. Jake Donovan, thank you. Good luck with everything at Boxing Scene. We'll be reading you uh, all about this weekend uh, with the plant title defense in Nashville. Thank you, Jake. Yeah, thanks for finally having me on. And uh, anytime you want me back, uh, I'll be more than honored to be on the show. Marquise, great job. Thank you, sir. We'll be reading you on BigFightWeekend.com. He's tweeting away again at Week Sauce Radio all through live tweeting all through the weekend and all the fights. Thank you, Marquise. Thanks, TJ, as always. Uh, no fixing this weekend, just watching the fights on Twitter. Feel free to watch me at Week Sauce Radio. Love that. Thanks also to David Payne, the boxing writer in England, for his thoughts. We thank you for being with us. Again, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. However you found this show through a social media link, it'll come automatically to you if you subscribe to Big Fight Weekend. Go search it, find it, rate it, review it. And the show will come automatically to you. That's it. I'm merely TJ Reeves. Enjoy the fights this weekend, Friday and Saturday. We're back talking lots of Wilder and Fury next week on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Bye.